the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with Mark Madison. In this episode, Mark talks to Undisputed Era member Adam Cole. Baby. Go to www.prowrestlingpost.com for interviews, blogs, reviews, and upcoming events in your area. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now, here is Mark and Adam. So, um, John Dahmer, DJ Hyde, Al Snow, and Les Thatcher are all credited with helping you to train. Discuss what you walked away from each time and what you gained from that training. Well, with all four of those guys, it was completely different for me on completely different levels. My, my two main trainers were uh, John Dahmer and DJ Hyde. DJ Hyde mainly taught me how to be tough. I mean, the, uh, the beatings that he used to give a lot of the students as far as wrestling initiations go were as tough as they come. But I'm thankful for it because when I left uh, his training, I wasn't really afraid of anything anymore. Uh, and then on top of that, DJ was very good about taking um, his students to other wrestling events and getting their names out there, whether it be helping set up the ring or uh, helping set up chairs or anything like that. It was kind of networking from a very early stage in our careers, whereas John Dahmer taught us more of the technique uh, behind a lot of the wrestling. And then just the multiple seminars I did with Al Snow and Les Thatcher at the time, they really taught me uh, the, the psychology of what we do, understanding why and when you do certain things. So uh, I'm totally thankful for all four, and they were all completely different styles of training for me. Super. Um, now, you debuted, debuted in uh, CZW, and you competed there for a number of years. You left there with a different number of experiences. Maybe you can walk us through some of that time and what you walked away from during your time there. Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me there was learning how to work in front of the extremely hard-to-please South Philadelphia fans at CZW. Uh, you know, forever I'm thankful that I got my start in the combat zone, I think mainly because those fans were not going to give you anything unless they were completely blown away. So when I left CZW, it's like every crowd that I work for now, I feel like I'm spoiled um, because the, the fans are just so receptive and so entertained and really came there to enjoy pro wrestling. So as far as the CZW fans go, they're really hard to, uh, to please and impress. But once you have their respect, you have it forever. So it's like a fun challenge when you, when you start off in a company like CZW. Um, a lot of different guys that I learned from there, too, uh, whether it be Sabian, now he goes by Black Cheese, Drew Gulak. Uh, Sammy Callahan, who wrestles in Solomon, uh, Solomon Crow for uh, NXT. I got to work with a lot of really, really talented guys. Um, and that was kind of the catalyst for me, again, of not only learning training-wise uh, how to be a quote-unquote worker, but actually living it. How does that push you, though, to continue to achieve and yet still make sure that you're convincing enough in character? I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay, so let me repeat that. Um, because you said there's such a difficult crowd to try and right. um, appeal to, wherein lies that challenge for you? How do you know that this is a time where I need to step up? And what is it that you find internally that you're able to do that pushes you forward? Oh, gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah, um, well, with, with that crowd being so challenging, I think the biggest 
thing that guys fall into as far as failing in front of a, a CZW or a Philadelphia crowd is really a lack of internal confidence in what you bring to the table. Like many times, uh, guys will be doing something completely on the right path, but if the CZW fans don't buy it immediately, they change it. And the CZW fans are very smart, and they realize when a wrestler is changing who they are or what they feel they bring to the table, strictly based on the reaction that, that, uh, that the fan base is giving them. Mm-hmm. So then the fan base knows they have control of that wrestler. The wrestler is no longer controlling that. So for me, in my character direction, like I did my very earliest stages as a heel uh, in CZW, initially uh, the people could have cared less. But as I stayed true to my character and what I felt was working and what I felt didn't, strictly based on the people I was working with, not based on the audience, because that was all I had to uh, base it off of, uh, over time the CZW fans actually embraced who I was as a character because I kind of stood tall as to who I was and who Adam Cole was going to be, and therefore they respected me in the long run for that. Fantastic. Um, Now, it was reported, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this question a number of times, but um, how in which maybe I phrase it might be a little different. Um, Prior to coming to Ring of Honor, it was reported that you took part in a tryout with the WWE? Right. Okay, correct. So now, um, describe that experience and any feedback they might have left you with at that time. Well, actually, I had gone through, I don't even know if this was reported, but exactly the one that you're talking about, I actually went through two different WWE tryouts. I went through one like very early in my career, and that one was much different than the one that I believe that you're talking about. I, I'm talking about, uh, I guess, pre-2009? Oh, okay, okay, great. Yeah, this is this is actually the, the earlier one, so okay. perfect. Um, yeah, that, that was a, that particular tryout, I actually went down uh, to Alpha of the Wild Samoans Training School, which at the time was located in, I believe, Tampa, Florida, but I may be incorrect, it's somewhere in Florida. And we actually got to train for a week with uh, Haku and Alpha himself. It was, it was awesome. It was such a good experience. I got my ring conditioning up. I learned little tricks of the trade. I learned how to be more intense in the ring because the Samoans are so intense. Um, and then going into that tryout, Again, just the harsh reality now looking back as to where I was in, in wrestling at that time, I was just in way over my head. You know, I was, I was a 19-year-old kid. I was 170 pounds soaking wet. Uh, I didn't have an identity. I didn't have a look. I didn't have the, the proper gear. I was just a young guy trying to be a wrestler. So to be honest, the WWE didn't even give me a second look. I don't, need, I don't even know if they looked me in the eyes just based on my size, based on my experience level. I literally looked like a child in there. Uh, but for me, it was just more motivating as going forward and saying, okay, now I kind of have an idea of what I need to do. And a lot of that comes with just time, like committing yourself. When you're an independent wrestler, committing uh, a lot of time and effort into uh, honing your craft as much as possible in as many different places as possible will catch the WWE's interest as far as the independent level goes. So um, it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me. Um. Kyle O'Reilly is someone whose paths you've crossed both as an ally and an adversary. Um, How can you describe that interaction within the ring and against one another and alongside each other throughout your time, I guess, traveling both and even crossing paths and and working together as Future Shock? Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, Me and Kyle have kind of become best friends outside of the ring just strictly based on the way that our paths have crossed. Uh, the first time 
ever met Kyle was 20 minutes before I ever stepped foot in the ring with Kyle. It was at a Dragon Gate USA uh, pre-show um, for Gabe Sapolsky in uh, the the ECW arena in Philadelphia. And uh, me and Kyle had instant chemistry. Like, I knew when I wrestled Kyle uh, at that point, this was a guy I clicked with uh, more so than anyone else that I'd ever clicked with before. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then you fast forward a little bit, and we both got signed to Ring of Honor contracts virtually at the same time. And the truth of the matter is this. The Ring of Honor signed us, and they knew they wanted to use us, but they had no idea what they wanted to do with me and Kyle. So they decided to put me and Kyle together as a team, and that was such a cool thing because me and Kyle, are, you know, our whole goal, or, or one of our big goals in wrestling was to wrestle for Ring of Honor. So we kind of got to share that experience together, the excitement together, the uh, nervousness together. So we, we not only grew together as wrestlers, but we also taught each other uh, different valuable things. Like, you know, if I would help Kyle O'Reilly with promos, Kyle O'Reilly would help me with in-ring stuff. We just, we really balanced each other out. Uh, and then I went on to have, uh, which I think it's myself and Kyle's breakout performance, not only in Ring of Honor, but in pro wrestling. We had a hybrid fighting rules match in New York City where uh, mm-hmm. Kyle punched me in the, in the face and my face exploded. Uh, you know, there was blood everywhere. It was a total battle for the ages. In many ways, me and me and Kyle compare it to a lesser extent of like a Stone Cold versus Bret Hart, with the, you know that blood being so vital to that match. And uh, ever since then, our, our careers have just skyrocketed. So, me and Kyle O'Reilly um, have shared a lot of memories in the past, and I'm sure for many years to come, we'll continue to do so. Terrific. Um, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Where did that idea of a faction come from? And was there any idea or was there a notion even of a cross-promotional faction so that it would move in? Uh, uh, cross-promotional with? With Ring of Honor. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, okay. Uh, there, there, was, there was never a notion whatsoever about uh, Mount Rushmore becoming a, a cross-promotional thing. Okay. But as far as how Mount Rushmore um, really began was PWG is notoriously known for being, um, for anyone who works there, being the most fun wrestling organization that we've ever worked for. And uh, at the time, myself and the Young Bucks, we had become good friends. Myself and Kevin Steen, we had become good friends. And, you know, all of us, kind of the four of us, all became really tight. And me and the Young Bucks started having some really fun, exciting six-mans together. Uh, And we saw and felt the chemistry that we had and the four of us kind of came up with this idea and thought, you know, how crazy would it be if the ultimate hero, Kevin Steen, uh, turned evil and joined Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, and we, and we formed this group, and we call ourselves Mount Rushmore. And, um, uh, you know, obviously that, that monument, um, in many people's eyes, reflects the, the four best presidents of, of all time. Or in, like, the WWE, oftentimes people will say, who is the Mount Rushmore of the WWE, the four best ever? So in our minds, we thought, okay, we're the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling, or more specifically the Mount Rushmore of PWG. We're the four most important guys in pro wrestling gorilla. So that was where the, uh, the name came from. Super. Um, now, something I want to share with you. I had a chance to, to interview and chat with Steve Carino back in May when Global Wars Global okay. was taking place in Toronto. And um, I asked him the question, who would you compare to Tully Blanchard today? And the name he said was Adam Cole. Um, what would you say about that particular compliment? 
And who would you specifically compare yourself to? Um, well, well, first of all, as far as getting a compliment like that, uh, that's a double-edged uh, sword or a double whammy as far as a compliment goes. Uh, because not only am I being compared to one of the all-time greats, but I'm being compared to one of the all-time greats uh, from a great himself and Steve Carino. So that's, uh, that's really, really cool, considering that Steve is one of my, uh, my idols in pro wrestling and a guy that really, really helped me out um, along the way. And um, as far as who I compare myself to, I, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily compare myself to people, but I certainly have influences. Um, yeah. Like, uh, for example, I've studied a lot of Shawn Michaels. Uh, he's a guy that just every time I watch him, there's something new that I pick up or something new that I see that just fascinates me with his work. And then, and then as far as someone um, who I kind of try to patent myself after in some way, shape, or form, I think just subconsciously, is uh, like a Ring of Honor CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk was a guy in Ring of Honor at the time who really not only got me into Ring of Honor, but got me into independent wrestling just with his promo ability. So I think um, because of how impacted I was as a fan by him, I've focused so much on character development and, and having articulate and interesting promos um, and creating really exciting angles. Like the angle I did with Jay Briscoe, I watched a lot of uh, CM Punk's Ring of Honor stuff to come up with different things to say, cadence in your promos, and kind of like a general attitude to have. So he's a guy I definitely try to uh, uh, patent myself after as well. After defeating Michael Elgin at Death Before Dishonor 11, uh, you cemented a heel turn. Where did the idea of a heel turn come from? And um, how have you been able to navigate and maintain the character's ability to captivate the audience as you have? Sure. Um, the, idea, the idea was being entertained or thrown around, I think, three or four months prior. Uh, we knew that the idea of a heel turn may be coming. Uh, something just to be different, something to be a little shocking. The actual the reality was I was working at the heel virtually everywhere else but Ring of Honor. Um, and Ring of Honor still claims that their decision to turn me heel had nothing to do with the fact that I was working heel everywhere else. But to say the least, I was ecstatic at the idea um, of, of finally getting to turn heel. And when I knew that time was coming, you know, it being that I was going to win the Ring of Honor World Championship in Philadelphia, in the National Guard Armory, which is the very same building that I went to my first Ring of Honor show as a fan, was just so cool. And I knew this was going to be a really uh, big moment for me. But as far as turning heel and, like you said, committing uh, to that actual character, it was really important uh, for me to emphasize the word heel as far as this heel turn. Because previously, when I was in CZW or Pro Wrestling Gorilla, for example, I put so much effort into being as entertaining as possible to get uh, the Adam Cole character talked about, whether that be me being funny, whether that be, uh, be me doing crazy uh, moves in the ring, whether that be um, anything of the nature to get people to talk about who Adam Cole was. Generally speaking, I didn't care if it was getting a boo or a cheer. I just wanted to get noticed. In Ring of Honor, I already had the platform of being noticed, so I was really committed to the idea of being a heel, that each and every time I defended the championship against the babyface, I genuinely wanted the audience to go, I really hope Adam Cole loses the Ring of Honor title tonight. And I do think I accomplished that, because uh, there was certainly a point that as my title reign went on where people were really hoping I was going to lose the title. So I was excited. That was fun. Uh, again, that takes a lot of confidence in who you are. 
um, to be able to accept the fact of, you know, people saying, oh, God, you know, I hope he loses the belt. I'm just sick of him being champion. You just have to uh, believe and understand that that's your role at that time when you're, when you're a villain on top. Now, uh, you've maintained that, but discuss maybe some of your time working with Matt Hardy in ROH and what you gained from your time working alongside him during this heel run, because there's been different people that have popped in and out and been aligned with you. What was right. Hardy's influence right. like? Yeah, uh, Matt was great. You know, considering the fact that uh, Matt has worked on national television for years and years, and he was a guy that I grew up watching, uh, Matt had a very good understanding of the value of being a real heel. Like when, when Matt Hardy was in Ring of Honor, I think it's safe to say that he was the most hated guy uh, in ROH, and it was great. It was it was perfect, and it was by design that Matt Hardy was then associated with me, uh, trying to get my my villainous acts sent even more so through the roof, uh, just because I was associated with Matt Hardy. So he tremendously helped me as far as getting the fans to further um, hate my guts, and uh, also working with Matt and understanding. Um, that less is more sometimes, and uh, the importance of facial expressions, and the importance of building matches a certain way. Um, each and every time I stepped in the ring with Matt, whether I was wrestling him, which was early on when he first came into Ring of Honor, or when I was champion and he was alongside me, there was always a new thing that I picked up from Matt, and I'm definitely really thankful I got to work with him. Um, let's track a little bit forward. It seems like, uh, unfortunately, you've been, you've been sidelined with an injury, but you have returned. Um, but the chemistry within the kingdom that you're part of, uh, to what do you owe the success of the faction, and what do you foresee for them as you being a part of that in the future? Yeah, again, this is a classic scenario of, I think, why the kingdom has worked so well is myself, Maria Canellis, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven are all very, very close friends. Uh, I think the initial idea... Again, me, Michael Bennett, Maria, and Matt Hardy were all together as the kingdom. And then when Matt Hardy left, we got Matt Taven, and that's just made the group even more exciting. Um, the, the matches that we've got to have, more importantly, when I sat on the shelf for five months and watched how Mike Bennett and Matt Taven developed as a team, you know, becoming the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions and having the matches that they had with the Briscoes and many others in Ring of Honor, it was really cool to kind of see them do their own thing. And now that I'm back, we get to have a lot of really exciting trios matches. Um, I see nothing but success for us in the future. I, I, it's going to work because we want it to work. And uh, it's something that I really believe in, and I, I know they do too. Now, with a number of Ring of Honor talent departing for either TNA or the WWE, um, whether that's the NXT brand, uh, what does that say about the promotion and its influence on the industry as a whole? I think it's just a testament over the years. I think I think it really started to take notice when guys like uh, like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk uh, left for the WWE and the success that they had within the WWE. I think at that point, the casual fan kind of realized what wrestler they prefer, what kind of wrestler they enjoy, and what kind of match they enjoy watching. And uh, a lot of those guys, Seth Rollins, Cesaro, um, a lot of these guys can be found coming from Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. So really it's just cool that, you know, on a, on a casual fan standpoint, uh, these fans being able to see what Ring of Honor has been doing for years, and that's producing the best in-ring wrestling that you can find anywhere in the world. 
and that's what we really pride ourselves on. So I think it's cool that uh, just finally some of these Ring of Honor guys who are getting the chance to go to the WWE are really exposing and really showing, um, like I said, a lot of the fans what, what a true pro wrestler really is. So it's, it's really, really cool the influence that we've had, and I think it's only going to continue to grow for us. Now, um, I, I spoke really briefly with Moose and then with uh, Roderick Strong, and they both had said they had uh, attributed their initial and early success to Gabe Sapolsky. Would the same apply to yourself to some extent? Well, I never got to work for Gabe in Ring of Honor. However, uh, for the little bit that I worked with Gabe Sapolsky in Dragon Gate USA, which was only a very brief period, I do owe a lot to him for this reason. Uh, after I had my match with Kyle O'Reilly, which was my first match for Gabe, I came to the back, and he was ecstatic. He gave me a big hug, and he said, that was excellent, that was great, we're definitely going to be working in the future. Oh, my God, that was awesome. And honest to God, at that point in my career, I never had a promoter uh, be that excited about a match that I just had. And I remember feeling so confident in myself and saying, from this point forward, when I go out and have this match, I, I want to I do good for Gabe. So Gabe was very, very good at motivating talent, making talent believe in themselves, uh, exposing their strengths, hiding their weaknesses, very similar to Paul Heyman. So I really do owe a lot to Gabe uh, because he really kind of channeled that confidence that I needed at the time in my career uh, for myself at that point in time. So, yeah, Gabe definitely helped me a lot. Okay. Now, um, the question I was going to ask next, it would there's kind of a precursor because it, it may not make sense based off of the question I'm about to ask. So based off of a report that I had heard, and you can refute or deny this or say yes, um, something was speculated that you had signed with the WWE recently. Uh, yeah, no, that's not true. Thank you. Okay. So that now being said, we can move forward <laughs> with the next yeah. question because it was, what does the future hold for Adam Cole in Ring of Honor? <laughs> oh, great. Great. Okay. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia, well, it's a bad my... thing. <laughs> what was that? Wikipedia, it's a bad thing at times. I think for the past three years it's been reported that I'm going to WWE, which is flattering. But uh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be with Ring of Honor for, for a while yet. But uh, yeah, as, as far as my, my goals for... Uh, Ring of Honor, again, and this may be a cliche answer, but it's the truth. It's the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, the coolest time in my life was being the Ring of Honor World Champion. And now that Ring of Honor is on consistent traditional pay-per-view, we're on national cable television. The company has continued to grow and grow. The people have continued to come out more and more to these events. I could not be more proud of our company, and I want to lead the charge. I want to be the flag bearer. So now that I'm back from injury, I'm doing all that I can to, uh, to once again try to get in the best shape that I can in my career. Uh, I'm continuing to rehab this arm and make sure that an injury like this never happens again. And uh, once I feel ready to go, uh, certainly, like I said, going after the Ring of Honor World Championship is the goal. Would you like to promote, encourage, share, or make anyone aware of anything as it applies to Adam Cole. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at Adam Cole Pro. That's probably where I'm the most active as far as social media goes. Uh, and then other than that, I have a website run by a guy named Dan Mitchell over in England. He does, he's done a tremendous job. He keeps up to date with all of my scheduling as far as where you can see me next, 
um, like updated pictures from live events and things like that. Also, there's a store with T-shirts and DVDs and things like that available. That's adamcolepro.com. And, uh, yeah, those are the two main things you can check out. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with Mark Madison. We'll be back very soon with another great interview. You can always check our website, www.prowrestlingpost.com, for more content. Thank you, and see you next time.